Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Tash, um, I was going to say, not catch me dancing. I keep saying, if you see me dancing, you know you're in heaven. So uh, that's, uh, that's the sign. So uh, although you need to be careful, I remember, you want to put those chairs up for my money, would you? Um, I remember years ago, Together for the Kingdom, there was a group of women from here went to Together for the Kingdom. This is way, way 20 plus years ago. And Jill was sitting in the front row beside this lady who I'll not mention her name. And there was this person with a big flag, a big, like bigger than Alan's flag. This, and she was going like this here with the flag. And the girl sitting behind, sitting beside Jill said, look at the woman with the flag. You wouldn't catch me dead doing that, right? And the girl with the flag just stopped waving the flag right at that moment, walked straight over to the person who just said it and said, the Lord just told me to give you that flag. You have to wave it. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, so... So I better not say any more about dancing, so um, don't worry about the seats if you're sitting in the front row. I'm not going to get anybody to sit on them, because I know there's a nervous thing going on about me getting people up at the moment, so uh, I heard a little rumors about this, so here we go. That's just my OCD working in there. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. Where'd Tysh go? Did she left the... Oh, no. Here she go. Here we go. Right. There we go. Um... Following Jesus in all of life. That's what we're doing. And um, we're going to do a little bit of work this morning. All right. I hope uh, um, you can bear with me and follow me in this. Um, where we're going, it'll all become apparent in a moment. This boat here is the Princess Victoria. It was made and it was um, built in 1947. It was one of the first roll-on, roll-off ferries ever to come into British coastal waters. She was captained by a guy called you know my passion for boats and sailing, so um, she was captained by a guy called James Ferguson. He was 55 years of age, and she was, um, she, she, was she was put out from Stranraer Harbour, and she did two sailings a day, so um, traveling in around 20, 25 knots, two sailings a day to, uh, sorry, I don't know what that was. Thanks for that, Laurie. Thanks for that little, uh, so, uh, um, and, and what happened on the, on the 31st of January, 1953, um, there was a storm, gale, a storm, a gale warning, and uh, the captain decided to set sail for Belfast or for Larne. And uh, if any of you know Sunrar, you'll know that it's Loch Ryan. And so Loch Ryan is a little bit of a niche into the, into the Scottish coast in by Port Patrick there, and, and it's very sheltered, and so he wasn't getting the, the, the real idea of what the storm was doing. He wasn't, so he set sail anyway. And what happened was he sailed up sort of this angle, up Loch Ryan, and then out into the Irish Sea, and then he headed down sort of this angle across to, to come to Larne. The problem is when he turned to, to come south, the north wind started to bombard the back doors of the boat and um, the, the began to take on water and they couldn't get the doors closed. And the water, the car deck um, flooded. And there was a hundred and, I think there was 51 crew on her. There was 51 crew. There was 128 passengers. And only 47 
people actually made it out of this sailing alive. And the boat began to list, and she listed that bad that she, at one stage, they reckoned she was almost on her side. And of course, they put out the mayday, and the, the lifeboat went out to her, 50-foot waves, they reckoned they were, they were trying to encounter as they, they got there. She, she sank just here, she sank just north of the Copeland Islands. Um, most of you probably know where the Copeland Islands is. If you're down by Donegadee there, you can see them. And she, she actually wasn't found until 1991. A guy called John McKenzie with a team of divers found her in 1991. And she's in 90 meters of water um, lying on the bottom. And as I say, only 47, 133 people lost their lives. The sad thing about the story, I tell you the story because the sad thing about it is uh, when, when he turned into the wind, when he turned and the wind was on the doors and the wind broke the doors open, there was fixed on her a guillotine door. There was a massive guillotine door that came down just like, like what it would say, like a guillotine. And that was a safety door. It was a storm door, but they didn't use it because um, it, it was just, it was... Apparently, it was quite laborious. It was hard to get down. It was hard to get up. It took time. And of course, they were trying to get in two sailings a day. They were thinking of productivity, and so they weren't using it. So this, this, this 133 people lost their lives because they just didn't shut a door properly. Um, and when it comes to prayer, when it comes to our prayer life, it's really important to understand how to close some doors. It's really important that we understand how to... Um, close the doors that need to be closed, because if we don't, then it, we, can, we can lose so much. I want to read a passage of Scripture. I'm reading it in the NLT, because there's a couple of words that the NLT uses that I, I want to point out this morning. So it'll be on the screen in Exodus 17. Now, the story is the children of Israel have just left Egypt. They're just out of the promised land, and um, they're, they're, they've come out very wealthy. They've come out loaded, we would say, all right? Because what happened was because of the plagues and because of the final plague where the, 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 the firstborn of the whole land lost their, lost his life, lost their lives, um, the, the, I, the, the Egyptians just loaded them, just said, get out, go here, take the money, take our gold, take our wealth, take our jewels, take everything. So they came out absolutely filthy rich of, of the nation of Egypt. And they're not far out when this happens, all right? The Amalekites come against them. Now, Amalek's an interesting character. Amalek is the, is the grandson of Esau. So Amalek was the grandson of Esau. He was born into Esau's household. And he grew up with a hatred for Jacob. He grew up with a hatred bred in him for the house of, of, um, the house of Jacob. And so when the children of Israel, who are the house of Jacob come out of the land, they're not going anywhere near the Amalekites. They're actually not even entering their land. But they hear about their booty. They hear about their wealth. And they, they decide that they, they want to rob them of their treasure. <laughs> Interesting thought, isn't it? So here's what happened. Let's read it. Joshua did what Moses commanded and fought the army of, the Amalek, of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill and as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So you understand what's happening. Moses, hands up. Israelites winning. Hands get tired. He drops them down. The Amalekites start winning. So it's interesting, isn't it? Moses' arms soon became tired. He could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they, they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So the hands held, his hands held steady until sunset. 
As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And then it says this, after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder uh, and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh or Jehovah Nissi. Yahweh Nissi, which means the Lord is my banner. And he said um, this, he said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. So the enemy raises his fist against God, and God says, now I want you to raise your hands and worship against him. It's, it's interesting how God combats the raised fist with raised hands of worship. We'll talk about that in a moment. So what happens is uh, you need to know that this morning that every time you activate the kingdom of light, you activate the kingdom of darkness. They work in conjunction. All right? So what happens is when, whenever the Israelites get set free and they're coming out of bondage and they're cheering and they're, and they're singing and they're, they're delighted and they're excited, it's not just God who heard their cheering because it says that God heard their cry. That's why he released them in the first place. He heard their cry. But someone else heard them as well. The Amalekites heard them. Heaven has heard their cry, but it just wasn't them. And some of us, the Amalekites come to strip away their freedom. They come to rob their spoil. They come to rob their joy. And so when you're coming out of bondage, the enemy stirs against you to rob that from you. And my warning to you this morning is not to be caught off guard. So we need to understand the strategies of this this morning. We need to understand how how to defeat our demons. (laughs) How to defeat our demons. Interesting, isn't it? You'd like to know that, wouldn't you? (laughs) Good, okay. One of you do. Um, Okay, so Amalek always turns up to discourage, comes up to rob. Some of you left church last Sunday morning. You weren't right home till an Amalekite tried to rob your joy. An email, a text, Maybe the Amalekites sitting right beside you, right? Oh, better not go there. Um, but you turn to that person and say, you Amalekite. You. But don't, don't, don't do that. So, so what happens is Amalek comes to rob your joy. That's the way the, the devil does it. He comes to rob your joy. And so something, if, if, and what, he wants, what the enemy wants us to do, he wants us to fight all the time. He wants us to get consumed with fighting. This is what this Christian life's all about. It's all about trying harder, being better, you know, make sure you work harder. This is the whole thing. So what I want to do this morning, I want to talk to you about six or seven um, demons, all right? Now, you need to know this, that the enemy has no new tricks. He's no new tricks. His, his tricks are age-old. They're, they're as ancient as he is. He has no new tricks up his sleeve. They're all just old tricks. Now, the first I'm putting two up the first time because these are twins, all right? These ones are twins. They, they work hand in hand with one another, all right? And uh, they, they're depression and discouragement. They're sneaky. They sneak into our lives like... like and the thing about these is that... The thing about these two is there's, they're not sneaky that you can keep them undercover, you can smile and pretend everything's okay, and you can let on it's all all right, and you can sort of the 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 no one might know you have it, 
all right? And, and, and as soon as you make a decision to follow God and His righteousness, I can assure you this boil here will creep in. These five people, that's why we so need to pray, ask Mark to make sure we move the five balls because we need to keep praying for these people, all right? Because the, you can rest assured the enemy will creep in. You can rest assured that after a few months when things are going good, there'll be a little bit of discouragement will, will creep in. It, it, it happens in all our lives. It's, it's, it's age old. Now, the, the next one is, is an interesting one. I've called him settling. Um, now, he, he, he works hard too, and he, he doesn't sneak in. He's not sneaky. He barges in. He blasts the doors open, and he says, who do you think you are? You think you're going to do that? You think you're going to... You're, you just need to keep your mouth shut. You just need to settle where you are. Don't, don't break any delf. Just, just calm yourself. Calm your jets, it would say. This one actually loves you not to think about other people. This one, this, this, this demon would love you just to think about yourself. You, when you go to the prayer room, you have enough to pray through when you get through your own list without worrying about anybody else. For dear sake, leave everybody else alone. And, and, and you never think of serving anyone outside. And the thing about this boy here is he will hook up with these two. They, they link arms. They, they'll, they'll actually make you settle in your discouragement. They'll say, well, that's just the way you are. You know, you're just that sort of personality. And they link arms. They, they actually make you settle in these things. He's, 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 a, he's a body, that one. All right? We're going to show you how to defeat him in a moment. The next one is an interesting one. This boy here, I call him addiction. We all know him, don't we? We all know him. Now, here, here's the thing about addiction, all right? This is the enemy who tries to numb out pain. That's what he does. He numbs out the pressure. When the pressure comes in your life, he numbs it out, all right? Now, here's the thing about addiction. Some people say to me, you know what? I just think I've got an addictive nature. Have you ever, anybody ever say that? I, I think I have an addictive nature. Here's the truth. All of us have got addictive natures. We're all. I think God created us addicts. <laughs> the problem is the devil is into diversion, and he diverts addiction. God created us to be addicted to him. God created us to be worshipers. God created us to do this, all right? Not just give me, give me, give me, but to worship us. And so the thing about the enemy is he diverts our addiction. So, so and addictions begin with things that you're attracted to, all right? You don't do something you don't like. The addictions are usually things that you're, you really like or you're attracted to. So for some, it might be football. For some, it might be fishing. For some, it might be car racing. What a great addiction that is. Some, it might be reading. You see, the, the enemy rides in on your nature. This is what you've got to understand. He, he wants to change the direction of your addiction, all right? And, and, and it's like, it's like he, he wants you to reach for a drink instead of reach for your Bible, he wants, to, he, he wants you to reach for a drug instead of reaching for prayer. He wants to, the devil's all about diversion. He wants you to reach for a pavlova instead of a quiet time, all right? You know, I, you know anybody else like me eat when you're stressed? I eat the fridge when I'm stressed. And I, I, I know all the tricks. I know how to hide the wrappers and all, so do you. Come on, I know. Let's own up. Laurie's here. Uh, I only think I'm fooling her. Um, we know all the tricks. 
But God, this is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to reach for porn instead of reach for your Bible. He wants you to become an addict. Some of us maybe even addicted to fitness. Oh, dear, how can you? Like some of you in the room, you were fit two years ago. It's not about fitness anymore. It's about identity. It's about who you are, where you go to the gym instead of going to the prayer meeting and see how we can get addicted to all kinds of things. And, and usually an idol, listen to this, usually an idol is a good thing that has become an ultimate thing. That's usually what an idol is. It's a good thing that has become an ultimate thing. <laughs> That's what happens in our lives, where it becomes the ultimate, where lives are built all around this thing that we're addicted to, and that's what, what happens. Now, here's the, the next one, all right? Um, this one's a, a sneaky one. He's a sneaky demon. Um, I call him comparison. One hour, two hours. One hour? One? One? Okay. Wrong in my notes then. Got it wrong here. Got it right there and wrong here. Um, the, now, this is funny because actually Facebook's, Facebook's a disaster for this one. Everybody, we try to compare ourselves to somebody's Facebook world, don't we? Like nobody puts on Facebook, got up this morning and me and the wife had a round, she threw a plate at me and it smashed. Like nobody puts that on Facebook, so you don't. It's like, this is my gorgeous sitting across the table, you know, out for a night with this beauty. Like it's all, you know. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's like this Facebook, and actually when I put Facebook, when I was writing my notes, I put Facebook in, and there was a blue line come under it on my computer, so you know where you right-click to see the word thing, and it, it come up fake book. That's what it did. And I thought, my computer's smarter than me. It's a, so we, we live in this just fake world, and some of you put stuff on Facebook, and then you're checking it every five minutes to see how many likes you've got to see how many views you've got, and all of our identity comes around this thing. And some of us get more impressed about what everybody else thinks than what God thinks. Some of us actually are so driven by comparison that we actually forget about what God actually thinks about us, about our identity, and there's something about this. So we've got to be so careful. Insecurity and comparison say, well, I'm just a mom, or I'm too old, or I'm too fat, or I'm too thin, on and on we go, or I'm just not smart enough. And some of you are worrying about what everybody else thinks, and they're not thinking about you at all. You're not that important. I have really done everything on you. This, I, I had a friend told me a few weeks ago, I thought this was brilliant. He said um, he, was, he was speaking somewhere, and um, somebody came up to him afterwards, and he said, oh, man, that was a great preach. And he was trying to be quite humble, and he said, oh, it wasn't me, it was God. And the guy said, oh, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> that was great. Well, that, that great line. Oh, no, it wasn't that good. Um, so, so, uh, so, so let's not just not get into this comparison thing. Now, here's, here's another set of twins. These, 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 I, keep, I put these boys together because these are, these are twins. These are the terrible twins. All right, these go together usually, guilt and shame. These are the things that, that are wicked they, they remind you of your past all the time. They keep saying, you, you think you could do that? They, they just, they just, they paralyze you. They, they, listen, listen, I want to say something, and you need to grab this, all right? The failures of your past cannot dictate the promise of your future. And I say it again, because that's worth writing down, all right? The failures of your past cannot dictate the promise of your future. And if you allow it to do, then 
God is doing a new thing in your life, and you've got to be careful that you don't allow these things to hold you in bondage, because they'll hold you hostage. They'll keep you where you are. And here's the here's last one. There's loads more, but these are just a few that I, I thought of. This one is fear. And uh, fear of, of fear of failure, fear of success, fear of what everyone thinks, fear will I be able to do this. Fear just seems to wrap us and keep us from doing anything. And, and, and here's what happens. Here's what happens, all right? Fear comes into our life, and we get afraid of our past, and so we allow guilt and shame to become part of, of our fear. And then we, because of our guilt and shame, we, we actually start to compare ourselves. Well, you know, she would never have done that, or he would never have allowed that to happen in his life. I'm just not as good. And then what happens is we, we camp out at McDonald's, for breakfast, dinner, and tea, or are or, or we sit and wait for the off-license to open, and we get ourselves all addicted up. And then because of that, we settle, and we say, well, this is just the way we are, never going to change. And then we get discouraged about it, and, and, and depression starts to creep into our lives. That's just the cycle. And in the, in the words of old Eamon Holmes, for some of you in this room right now, this is your life. This is your life. You're just caught in this cycle of, 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 it just seems to go round and round and round and one strikes another, strikes another, strikes another, strikes another, strikes another, strikes another, and just robs you of your life. It just robs you of it all. And that's what happens in life. And so what happens is we, 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 we just, uh, so you say, Phil, that's great now. I'm just really discouraged. You've told me and just showed me all that's going on in my life. Is there, how do I defeat these demons, how do I defeat them? Well, I'm glad you asked, all right? Here's what we do. We get our boxing gloves on, and we, we try to fight depression. We say, oh, I'll, I'll conquer depression. I just need to get over that. We fight discouragement all the time. Fight, fight, fight. We fight the, the fact of just getting comfortable and settling. We fight our addiction. We fight our guilt and shame. We fight comparison. We fight fear. We fight all these things. And then the problem is we just get consumed with fighting. And the Christian life is just hard. And I read all these New Testament verses about joy unspeakable and full of glory, but it just doesn't ever feel like that. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and might have it to the full, but it just seems my life is just full of fighting. Here's the truth. You need to stop your fighting. As Jimmy Young said, stop fighting. <laughs> Some of the older ones will get that, the younger ones. I haven't a clue who Jimmy Young is. All right? Here's the truth. Here's the truth, right? The gospel isn't about what you can do. The gospel is about what he has already done. These are just tricks. These are just demonic tricks. They just actually want to keep you, they're just going in your mind. They're just, they're just racking your mind. They're just going into, and, and, and if you just work harder all the time, you see, if you could do this, if you could conquer these by working harder, you've had them conquered. And some of you have been working all your life. And you're as bad now as you ever were because you knew you just can't defeat it. Well, you need to stop trying. You need to stop trying because it's already defeated. It's under his authority, under his feet. 
He has done the work. He said it is finished. That's why I don't believe I'm one of the people who don't agree with some of the theologians that Jesus went to hell. I don't believe that Jesus went to hell after he died on the cross. I don't think he needed to do that. I think he went to where the Old Testament saints were, and he released them. Some people say he went down and he confronted the devil. He confronted the devil on the cross. He cried, it is finished. He finished the work to God's entire satisfaction. And the book of Hebrews says he sat down, which a high priest never done. He sat down because the work was finished. The work is done. Now, let me tell you a little story. One of my favorite movies is a uh, a movie that came out in 19, no, sorry, 2001, 2001. It's called A Beautiful Mind. Russell Crowe um, acts in this movie. If you've never seen it, I'm about to destroy it on you, all right? But you've had 18 years to watch it, so, um, <laughs> so if you haven't watched it by now, you, you, all right. So uh, in, in, the movie, in the movie, Russell Crowe is a genius mathematician. He's so, and he, he He's a professor and, and work, has worked his way through mathematics till he's got a, the, Nobel, the Nobel Prize for his skill in mathematics. And he's, he acts a guy called John Nash. Now, it's based on a true story. And John Nash, while being a, a powerful um, mathematician, he also has a thing going on in his life called schizophrenia. He's paranoia schizophrenic. And so what has happened is this make-believe world that runs alongside his real world. And this make-believe world, so he believes he's a spy, and he's created all of these people in a sort of a spy ring. It's an absolutely phenomenal movie, so well made. And, um, and what John Nash did was he went through his university with a roommate who was part of his schizophrenia. So he had a roommate right through his studies at university who wasn't real. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This guy was in his make-believe world. And... Um, and this guy in his make-believe world actually met a girl and got married and they had a child and John Nash became the godfather of this child, all in his schizophrenia, all in his mind, all right? And so he gets medicated and the, the medication really helps him, but the medication affects him in other ways that he doesn't like and so he stops taking the, the, the medication and at this time he has met this beautiful woman and they've married and they now have a baby. So in his real world, he's married, he's a mathematician, he's a genius professor, and he's married, and they have a baby, little girl. And he's a, in, his, in his make-believe world, in this schizophrenic world, he's a godfather to this little boy. And, um, and in one of the scenes, one of the scenes, he, uh, his wife is really struggling at this time, so in love with each other, but really struggling with this world that's going on. And, and, um, and so what happens is John Nash puts his little um, girl in the bath. And when he puts her in the bath, he, he gets his make-believe godson to watch over her say, I have a couple of things to do. Will you watch the baby in the bath? And of course, there's nobody there. We know that. And the, 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 the baby literally almost drowns, and the mom comes in and finds the little girl in the bath. And of course, at this, this, this is the end of the road for her. She just... she. She says, enough's enough, John, I have to go. Until you get help, until you take your medication, until you see what's going on in your world, I can't live with you anymore. And so she packs her stuff, and he's crying, and she's crying. She doesn't want to leave him, but she knows for the safety of her daughter, she has to leave him. And, 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 
and she's just trying to get him to recognize this illness. She's trying to get him to recognize. And she gets into the car to drive off, and he runs in front of the car, and he bangs his two hands on the bonnet of the car, and he, he just goes this. He, he shouts this. He shouts, um, he never grows up. He never grows up. And she begins to realize that he has just realized this make-believe world. This is a sign of it. Actually, nobody gets older. It just sort of stays where it is. And it's been like this for years and years. And what I want to say to you is, these things never grow up. That's, that's, that's how you can spy them out. They never grow up. He has no new trickery in them. They're age-old, and they just never grow up. They stay the same. Now, they're as effective as they were when He created them with His demise and with His fall, but they just never grow up. And you need to see them for what they are, that they are in a make-believe world of trickery in your mind, that they're just little ploys and tools and demons of the enemy. And they're set out to destroy and set it at naught. Now, here, here's a little thought. Never before, or, or I'm not dead sure, even anywhere else in the Bible, do you read what happened in Exodus 17. What happened was Joshua went out onto the battlefield with the sword. Now, we know in the Bible that the, the sword is always referenced to the Word of God. The sword is the Word of God. So, so Joshua goes out onto the battlefield with the sword and Moses goes up onto the mountain with worship, and this is how we fight our battles. This is how, you might think you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by God. This is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles with the Word of God and with worship. And there's something, if, if, if we are living in a cycle of, 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 of ploys of the enemy, we can break it through the Word and through worship. That's, that's the truth of this Scripture. Now, here's a thought. Um, some of you will remember a day whenever you took a photograph and you didn't get it right away. Anybody ever remember that? You know, you took a photo and you had, a, you had this thing that you carried about that didn't answer calls on. It was actually called a camera. And um, you took a photograph, and then you, you took the film out of the camera, and you left it into the chemist. And then you went, and you, and you couldn't actually see the photos until sometimes, and sometimes you actually forgot to lift it again. You know that? Remember that? And sometimes you left it in, and you hoped, and you really prayed that the, that the, 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 the chemist didn't know you, or the chemist didn't look at the photos, because there were your holidays, and you were in your bikini, and that was just the boys. All right? Um, um, so, so, do you remember those days? And you, you got the photograph and you looked at it and you know, oh, oh, everybody's eyes are closed. Their eyes are all red. Or don't ever show that photograph to anybody. I look like a demon. You, know, you remember, those, remember those days? Now, I, I, I had such, I remember those days. And I remember having a photograph that was really special to me. And the photo got, it was in, 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 and it got damped down the back of the photograph. And I was acting about, oh, the photograph. I really like that photo. And then somebody said to me one day, well, why don't you, why don't you get another one? I said, well, how are you going to get another one? And I said, well, just off the negative. And I went, off the what? 
of the negative. You know, the little black things that come in the, in the, in the, in the they're negatives. And so, so behind every negative, there's a picture. <laughs> behind every negative, there's a picture. <laughs> behind every negative, there's a picture. Behind every negative, there's a picture. Behind every negative in your life, God was there all the time. Behind every negative, there's a picture. And when you thought you were out of control, when you thought you weren't dead sure how you could defeat this, God was there all the time. This is how we fight our battles. You might think you're surrounded. You are. You're surrounded by God. You're not surrounded by these demons. These are just trickery in your mind. And the enemy works in here. And if you were to do this right now and put your hands in your head like that there, right? And then you were to take your hands away and put them in front of you like that there, that's the size of most of your problems. Some of them are bigger than others now, by the way. But that's the size of most of your problems. Because this is where he works. And, and the devil is age old at this. This is, this is what he did with Adam in the garden. He got into his mind. And he said to the woman, has God said? <laughs> into the mind. And that's just his arsenal. And so what I'd love us to do this morning, as we draw this to a close, I'd love us to realize that on the, on, on the other side of every negative, there's a picture in your life. Of God. And one of the things I love in the story as well is, is, is that when Moses' hands got tired, he had two friends who came and lifted his arms up. That's why discipleship is so important. Discipleship is, is this idea where friends come alongside when your arms are tired and they lift your arms up. That's why life group threes and life group twelves are so important. Because when your arms are down, that's why threes are really important. Life group twelves are good threes are better. Because of one or two people that you actually begin to do life with, and you begin to share stuff, and they actually begin to know and say, are you okay, Lanny? Are you all right, Dave? Is something going on? Because you just gather, and you get to know one another, and you know when you're down, you know, and, and we all need friends around us to lift up our arms. So what I'd love us to do, I'd love us to sing a song. We're going to sing that song, um, This Is How We Fight Our Battles, all right? And I'd, I'd love us... I'd love you to I'd love you to respond this morning I'd love you to come to the front right up to the front and I'd love you in, in a response just to make a declaration by putting your feet into action and engaging your brain right now and saying I am walking to the front of this place today and I am recognizing right now in my life that God has defeated every single one of these demons in my life that I don't need to live under their authority anymore, that I don't need to allow them to control my life anymore, that I am never going to allow the diversion of the enemy to take me away from my addiction to him, that my addiction is to him and to him alone. And I'd love us to do that by way of response this morning. Our, our ministry team will be about and just to lay a hand on you, walk through you and lay a hand on you. But as we come to the front, as we close off this song, I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance. I'm going to pray a pr- prayer of of authority over you uh, as, as a leader in this house just to see you walk into newness. There's something happening today. 
I don't mean just today, but in the last three, four months, something is happening in the kingdom. There's a massive shift. And God is at work so uniquely. I got a prophetic word this morning in the early hours from someone about this that was just, just yeah, spot on. Something moving in the kingdom realm. And so let's, let's do that. Let's, let's move into authority today. Taking this by the horns, as it were, and saying, I'm not living under this anymore. Let's worship together. Let's make our way to the front. Then I pray over us, and uh, we'll let you home to get your, get your lunch. Let's, let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.